And I think that's what was different for me this time. Going into Miami City Ballet, with all the stuff that I went through, I sort of realized that this time I didn't have, I, I was still valuable even if I wasn't, which is why it was so easy for me to leave. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this on my own terms now. And I feel like that's why I could speak up. Because over that nine-year gap between New York City Ballet and Miami City Ballet, I found my own value in me, not just as a dancer. to share this week's guest with you all. As you would have seen from the title, today I bring you a conversation with the Catherine Morgan, affectionately also known as Katie, and the YouTube star who brought ballet to people's living rooms before COVID made it cool. Catherine is an American ballet dancer who started her career as a soloist at New York City Ballet. I'm going to let Catherine share her story in her own words, but I will share that after being diagnosed with a thyroid condition, she had no choice but to leave the world of ballet and really its unreasonable demands behind. Getting married and thinking that she would live out the rest of her life as a happy wife, Catherine endured immense heartbreak and used ballet to cope with the pain of her divorce. The remarkable part of Catherine's story is really her return to the stage at the age of 30 as a soloist with Miami City Ballet. An absolutely remarkable accomplishment after really so much time off and a testament to her talent and skill. I've wanted to host Catherine on the podcast for a very long time now, but I'll often wait to approach a potential guest until they have something really important to say, celebrate or share. In this case, Catherine released a now famous video titled Why I Left Miami City Ballet. And after watching, I immediately reached out. This video, it just really hit a lot of raw nerves for me. Catherine should be beyond proud of her career. As I mentioned in our conversation, as someone who is also trying to turn an industry upside down and forge my own path, I look up to and I admire people that through the power of social media and just sheer determination, manage to be the architect of their own life by designing a career and a personal brand that previously hasn't really existed. This is a long uh, but important and really enjoyable conversation, so we will get straight into it. But first, I'd just like to say thank you so much, Catherine, for bearing your soul, sharing your story with the world, and for giving a voice to all the ballerinas who suffer in silence. As always, you can find more resources at balanceballerinas.com. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I love hearing from listeners of the pod. You can reach out on my Instagram at thebalanceballerina. Also say hello to Catherine if you enjoyed the conversation. You can find her on Instagram at Catherine underscore Morgan. She's such a positive influence and I highly recommend all ballerinas and lovers of ballet go follow her. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. Um, Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited because you have so many fans in the Balanced Ballerinas community. Um, so 99% of people will know your story. And for the 1% that don't, who've been mm-hmm. living under a rock in the adult ballet community <laughs> especially, um, what I wanted you to do was sort of share um, maybe in a sort of bit of a nutshell from New York City soloist up till now um, and what's mm-hmm. happened, your story in your own words. 
Well, I was, I was, I was fast tracked from the start in New York City Ballet. I was hired at 17, promoted to soloist at 21. I did, you know, I got to do Juliet at 17 and Sugar Plum at 19 and Aurora at 20, which was just, I mean, it was like the dream career. And you think what could possibly go wrong, <laughs> right? Everything's great. And um, then at 21, I started to feel very, very ill. My hair started falling out. I started gaining weight rapidly. I gained 45 pounds in six weeks as an elite athlete. Um, and huge. just mm. huge. I mean, it was ridiculous dancing 10 hours a day. And I could, I was so tired. I could barely get through rehearsals. And we had just done, this was April after debuting Aurora in February, um, doing the full length. And I just thought, well, this, maybe I'm just tired still from last season. So as time went on, things got worse. And I was diagnosed with an underactive thyroid. That was the first part. And so the doctor said, don't worry, get on medicine. You'll be fine. Cut to two years later, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting smaller. All the exercise I'm doing, all I started not eating. I mean, it was just not a good situation. And I was still huge. Finally, I just, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. The pressure of dancing in New York and trying to get better and trying to be down to a size, you know, whatever it was, double zero um, is just, it's too much for me. So I ended up leaving New York City Ballet and about a year later, still battling with this, um, doctors finally discovered that I have an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. And basically in layman's terms, um, it's where no matter how much medication you're giving your thyroid, basically your body attacks it and just it just doesn't work. It sort of attacks itself. So this was something I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to have to live with. Um, mm -hmm. I started doing guest performances. I started YouTube thinking that, you know, at that, at that time, YouTube wasn't as big as it is now. And there were lots of fitness gurus and, and beauty gurus, but there were no ballet dancers. I don't even know if Claudia had started her channel yet. I don't think she had. No, so, she hadn't. Um, I started and I thought, well, we'll see what happens. It blew up. I started teaching and I sort of developed this whole second career of YouTube videos and you know, being the voice in the ballet world and telling students, look, this is how it really is. I was a professional in a massive company. This is what it really takes. Um, and it's just sort of pulling back the curtain, literally, on the ballet world. And I thought, well, you know, I'm never really going to dance again. That's fine. I have this whole new career. I started judging ballet competitions, traveling to do speaking engagements, still a couple of guest performances, but not a lot. Um, and throughout this process, I met my now ex-husband, got married, life was lovely, thought, okay, I'm just going to be a married woman and it'd be fine. And I just have this thing. Well, 10 months into our marriage, it fell apart. He had been unfaithful numerous times. It was just sort of a, it was a bad, bad, bad situation. I don't want to get into specifics, but no, I'm so I ended sorry, up, it was, it was probably for all of the illness that I had for all of the, um, crazy ballet problems I'd had nothing compared to that because that's so personal and you're like what did I do wrong you know and there were other problems that had started and you just sort of put it on yourself like okay I must have this is my fault so through that healing process of going through the divorce and and trying to heal from that I just started getting back into the studio for me no you know I'd already declared on YouTube that I was done I'm not going back in the company and I started to think huh this is, this is kind of working. Things are starting to fire again. Things are getting back in shape. And I was 30 at this point. I thought, well, this is kind of odd. So 
I get back in shape. I moved back to New York because at that point I was just by myself again. I was single. Divorce had been finalized. And I started working with my teacher there, my Pilates teacher there. And they were kind of just like, where have you been for the last decade? Like you're back, you're in shape. So at that time I contacted uh, Miami City Ballet and I said, you know, I'd love to audition. You know, I've heard that you're looking for dancers and they were. So I went down and I auditioned and it went very, very well over a multiple of day, um, number of days. And um, six weeks later, they offered me a soulless contract. And it was just sort of like this dream of a nine-year gap. And they, they literally rolled out the red carpet. They said, you're going to do this, this, and this. We'd love to have you. Um, I, and I was very upfront about, look, I have this illness. I am much smaller than I was than I was at my sickest. Um, but I will never be the smallest one in the room. I will never be, you know, twig girl. I just, I'm, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be one of the larger dancers. I just, oh, it's fine. You just be you. You're beautiful. You look fantastic. I was even told at my audition, you look beautiful. Great. Signed the contract, moved to Miami. Um, shortly there into the season, I began to realize that it was not um, the right fit for me and that I was not in the shape they wanted me to be in. Now, nothing was said to me at the start. Now you realize you're going to have to lose 10 pounds before we can cast you in anything. Nothing that was said to me. Everything seemed fine. And I started learning these ballets and and slowly one by one, roles were getting taken away from me. Um, Roles that I had been told I would be learning, I wasn't even called to learn. Roles I had costume fittings for, I wasn't called to learn. And it was just sort of this weird thing I did get back on stage doing Slaughter on 10th Avenue which is a Balanchine ballet that's fantastic um and my opening night was unforgettable the audience was packed they applauded at every inch I mean I just it was wonderful but then I was started to be told things like you know your body's not quite in good enough shape you don't represent us well and funnily enough when these things were being told to me I was in better shape than when I auditioned when I was told I looked beautiful. So it was sort of this, hmm. Um, And throughout the season, this just happened over and over again. I'd be learning a role. The day before the casting went up, I got pulled out of Firebird. Um, I was casted in a ballet called Nine Sinatra Songs. And then two weeks or two days before they were like, oh, sorry, you're not gonna do it. So it was just sort of one thing after the next, after the next that I began to realize, okay, this is, this is not okay anymore. I'm not happy. I'm not appreciated here. I don't fit the look that they want, which, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. They're allowed to have the look that they want, but I don't fit it. My, my issue was that I didn't, that's how I looked when I auditioned. Yeah. That's how I looked when I was hired. Meanwhile, through all this, I mean, wonderful things continue to happen on the side. Like I was on the cover of dance magazine. I was on the Today Show. I mean, it was just it's sort of this comeback story, but it almost felt like again, putting it on myself, I was like, I'm not in shape enough. I'm not good enough. I started to get back into all those old thought patterns of trying to please the director and trying to do this. And so at the end of the season, I was offered a chance to um, stick around. We'll, we'll keep your name on the roster. We won't pay you. You can take a leave of absence to get your body together. And I just sort of thought, well, this (laughs) this is how I am. Like I'm a, I'm a size two, American size two. I, I truly don't think I could, with my illness, get any smaller. <laughs> like, I just can't. Because even during the season, I started not eating again. 
and yeah, it which then spirals I, all that yep work and then you just go backwards yep I know you too go well. backwards <laughs> and so then I decided to leave and it's taken me it I moved to Salt Lake with my boyfriend and he is wonderful he's a former dancer himself and he was the one I said Chris you've been in this business am I crazy he's like no you're not crazy. <laughs> like you look beautiful. You're fine. Um, and so it took me six months to finally speak out, but then I did do that recent video, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, yeah. um, now side I am in Salt Lake. I was just going to say side note. He seems absolutely lovely. <laughs> He's a doll. He's a doll. He's <clears throat> very similar to me, actually. We've yeah. gotten that you're, we're sort of the male and female version of the same person. So I'm like, okay, that's good. Um, I can say that. I can say that. One. Um, you know, but it, it's been great. And now I have new plans to keep moving forward. And I feel like I'm in a much better headspace and sort of dancing on my terms now and, and performing and, and doing my career on my terms and wanting to be that beacon of hope for a lot of these girls who have been told the very same thing. And funnily enough, after that video, telling the story about Miami, so many other dancers spoke out. So that's when I was like, okay, this is not just me. Like, this is a problem. So that's the, was, that's the short version. <laughs> it was a bit of a wave. The video was, um, in case anyone hasn't watched it, it's why I left Miami City Ballet. That was the title of your YouTube video. And um, I've, I've actually been wanting to uh, interview you and host you on the podcast for quite a while. But I sort of have um, this list of, of people that I want to interview. And I sort of wait until we have something really meaty to talk about. Or And when you released that video, I was like, bam. Katie, what's up? <laughs> yeah, hi. Let's, hi. Let's go. Because I think whenever I, um, whenever I listen to you speak and look, I must admit when I've followed your journey for quite a while now, and when you had the heartbreak um, with your ex-husband and then moved into the space of dancing again, isn't it funny how we all tend to when we're going through intense periods of sadness or heartache or heartbreak, we find ballet again. We just go back Completely. to it. And, and, you yeah. know, and I've seen it with friends too. Um, you know, I've had friends that have lost babies or, you know, mm. really gone through really tough things and, and they come and they go, Georgia, can I just come take open class? And I'm like, go for it. And they, you know, come back to the bar. And even if it's only for a month, it seems to, be incredibly therapeutic and healing so it's no surprise that you you know went full gung-ho on ballet again <laughs> yeah, oh yeah that. But, <laughs> but I think when when I saw your story about when you shared with everyone that you were joining Miami City Ballet I did like a little happy dance personally mm -hmm. because I thought this is awesome like to be honest like you're a very similar build to myself as a dancer like we are never the skinniest person in the room and I was never that growing up um and I certainly, it's, it's so hard, isn't it? Because I, when I was younger, I wanted to be. <laughs> and oh, I, yeah. oh, yeah. And you do these things to yourself that are just, I think about it now and I think, oh, my gosh, like, you know, I should have just really buckled down and loved myself for myself. But, you know, it's very easy to say in hindsight. And so I think when I saw that you were joining Miami City Ballet and it felt like very much on your terms, Mm -hmm. I was so excited for you, even though I barely know you. <laughs> and I thought this mm -hmm. is a real win. And like for people that don't realize, you know, taking such a leave of absence from the professional world of ballet and then coming back into a professional setting like you did is 
a huge feat and it doesn't happen like that's not normal like what you did is incredible and so I was like woohoo like this is amazing and I think when you released the video the other day about um about what what has happened um I just it was like a kick in the guts to even me and it didn't happen to me do you know what I mean I just felt wow I keep at the moment, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk was because at the moment when I come across stories like yours, when I think the ballet world is moving forward, it just takes 10 steps back again. When I hear, like, I feel like it gets better, it gets better, it gets better, and then I hear something like this, and then it's just like, oh. And as someone that is training young dancers and not all of them certainly not all of them but some would like to be part of the ballet world as an adult and I think I'm not comfortable sending you out there (laughs) does that make sense and so yeah I guess like what are we gonna do (laughs) I know I think the part of the problem is that we are made to think the ballet world has taken steps because what's happened that I'm realizing Mm. you know I'm in a very fortunate position where I felt I could speak out I sort of asked myself, you know, okay, let's say you get blackballed by every ballet company director on the planet. Yeah, because you realize that. that. (laughs) Yeah, I realized, you know what? If that happens, I have built this other platform, this other thing that that's okay. I I am the one that can speak out because my career will not be over if I get blackballed by everybody. The problem is, other dancers have not spoken out. They have gone through exactly the same thing, but they feel they can't speak out because they are worried about their own careers. And they literally would be in major trouble if they said anything, just because it's, that's the, you can't say anything or they wait until they've retired and then no one cares because it's too late. Well, now you're retired. So whatever, you know, and it's horrible. So the problem is no one has spoken out during the problem. And so mm-hmm. I think everybody's like, oh, wow, the ballet world must be getting better. And it's not. It's still very much there because the amount of stories I heard after mine, after that video, is both heartbreaking and disgusting, quite frankly. The things that have yeah. been said to these, these both professionals and students. So no, it hasn't changed. I, I've actually had quite a few people say to me, it, just within our Balanced Ballerians community that actually attend my open adult ballet classes, they were like, oh, did you see Catherine's video? I'm really worried for her that she's not going to be able to get into a company now because of what she said. And I said exactly what you said. She has built the most amazing following that a lot of dancers don't have. So you are in a great position because of yourself and all the hard work that you've done to speak out. So not only is it incredibly brave, but you are giving a voice to all the dancers out there that don't have that opportunity because there are so many of them that, that, you know, we know will say behind closed doors, all these things, but Mm -hmm. they actually can't speak up because they don't have, they they can't speak up because they don't have any, um, anywhere to go after they are Mm -hmm. blacklisted. They don't have a YouTube channel. They don't have a teaching career. They don't have a relationship with, yeah. So I don't know. It's just so incredibly hard, isn't it? (laughs) It's so difficult. And, you know, that's the thing, like with this future project idea that I have, I, it's okay if I'm going to be fine if no company wants to take me, like I am going to be just fine. I performance opportunities were still cut because the amount of outpouring of support 
has been overwhelming. The only backlash I have seen or heard about is from some of my own colleagues. And honestly, it's because they didn't have the whole story. Because once I was taking out all those ballets, I shut down totally. I stopped going to class. I knew I was leaving. I was like, there is no reason for me to go to company class because it's optional. Go to company class in a leotard, put myself in this situation in front of these people after I am not, I've been taken out of parts. I know I'm not coming back next season. I am not like, why would you keep putting yourself through that? But I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't really divulge this to any of my colleagues. So I'm sure they just saw me stop coming to class and took that as, well, she just thinks she's whatever. But I physically couldn't and mentally couldn't be in that room anymore after it was just one after another, after another. I mean, so many things were just taken away. So um, and so they're entitled to their opinion. They're allowed to speak out, but it's, I, I even had to do a follow-up post that said, you know, you never know the full situation unless you are privy to every meeting, every hallway conversation, every comment in class, little things that are said to you in class. Like you don't know the whole, someone's whole story and what's happening. And at that point I was so beaten down and so mentally done that I was just like, for my own health, and my doctor even said, for your own health, you need to do what you need to do to stay sane. And so for me, after Firebird and Sinatra went, I was like, I'm out, I'm done. So let's talk about that because, um, not that, not that, I mean, your comment about Mm -hmm. little comments here and there, little comments, little comments, little comments, because I personally have received the same little comments, little comments. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one part of the world, if you're not part of that ballet world or if you have that perfect body where you're sort of left alone Mm -hmm. that flies under the radar and the reason why companies and pre-professional places get away with it is because it's just tiny little you know droplets that are spread across you know what seems like a lifetime (laughs) that all add up that all add up and so what are some tiny little comments that have been thrown your way (laughs) oh little things like in class like oh your legs aren't quite getting into fitting into fifth that's interesting or just uh (laughs) or the or the like the next time if you're still not in fifth you know a little sigh or a little "Mm, no you know and it's just like you're you're going I'm 30 at that time I was 31 and I'm going, I'm not what I am at 17. Like I'm just not. And I think that's, you know, little things in the hallway, little things. Well, you know, you just, you're not there or, you know, it's just little, little tiny things that, you know, maybe they don't even know they said faces they've made at you or sometimes being like completely like you're right here and they just completely look past you because you know being ignored stuff like that just sort of gets at gets at you um you know and I think it's just little things that unless you've heard every single like I've never heard every comment that's made to every colleague you know what I mean it's just one of those things or in the hallway you know passing comments it's just sort of I don't know Little things because like that. I yeah because it's really hard isn't it because I find that people go well did they ask you to lose weight or did they tell you you're fat and it's like well not necessarily it's it's very hard to explain and if you're not a dancer saying something like you're not quite getting into fifth would make no sense you'd be like mm-hmm. what do you mean that makes that what does that mean they didn't tell you fat mm-hmm. and we all know that means that oh, well, your thighs are too big that you can't exactly. fit into fifth position. So they're very, um, 
specific to our industry. I just had a thought too, do you think that perhaps, especially because as dancers, we're very good at reading body language, but we're also very good at expressing ourselves through our body, that it's yes. almost a bit of a fire because the directors, for example, are able to express comments simply through their incredibly articulate body language and then mm -hmm. we pick up on it through our incredible ability to be able to pick up on that body language that it's very very tricky situation very tricky I mean in both in both New York City Ballet and Miami City Ballet like just it little things like an eye roll at you mm. you know and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> like what I do you know you just you pick up because we're all in the cut from the same cloth. We're all trained, you know, and it's just, and that's why when I'm teaching, I am hyper aware of what my face is doing, what body language I'm giving mm. these kids. I make sure even when I'm correcting them, it comes from a place of positivity. Cause I think any teacher, you don't have to go, why are you doing your head like that? All they yeah. have to say is, you know what? Why don't you try doing your head like this? Try it like this. And if you just flip it and you just rephrase it, which is not hard, it doesn't have to damage that kid. Because a little 14-year-old, if you go, why are you doing your head like that? That poor child is going to fixate. And mm. like, you know, and I think for me too, I always try and say, if I'm correcting a student who I know is sensitive, I'll say, okay, on your turn, you're arms were fantastic. I loved that. Now try on your legs. Why don't you blah, blah, blah. And that gets them like, okay, let me try again. Instead of no, your legs are wrong. Like there's, there's, you can completely rephrase something and still be encouraging and still build up a kid. Because I remember when I was little, if I had a negative teacher who I was horrible in their class, like no matter what they said to me, it was not going to go well. <laughs> so yeah, these like teachers that are just, it doesn't work. It does not work. It, it, yeah. it doesn't and as yeah as someone who also teaches many children and many adults um you have to give a compliment sandwich like you yes. have to you exactly have to, you have to go that was lovely mm -hmm. I loved your pose pirouettes but our balances from the corner were a little bit sloppy let's go through those um but your finish was great yeah <laughs> like, exactly you need, and you yeah. just have to do that. And it's, and I, I think the argument though, Catherine, I think the argument is, oh, everyone's too weak these days and everybody's too, you know, and it's like, like, that's what the old brigade say. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think, no, there are definitely, I mean, look, let, you know, let's be real. There are definitely some, especially children that I go, oh, you do need a little bit of a cup of concrete. Like <laughs> you are a little bit. Yes little yes. bit too um too much of a petal but at the same time you know there's that that boundary you can't just I mean we were probably taught exactly the same way where if you were doing something wrong yeah. they'd go Ugh, and just roll their eyes and walk to the back of the room and you'd just be left standing there going I I'm trying to please you I don't know what I'm doing wrong please explain mm -mm. there was no explanation it was just work it out yourself <laughs> yeah or, or just the sort of passive aggressive, mm -hmm, I guess you can't get that, you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's true. You can still push a student without berating them yeah. and just being so like, uh, you can still push them and demand a lot. Um, yeah. Chris, actually, my boyfriend is the master at that. I've seen him like get these kids fired up and expect a lot, but still have them laughing. He is the master yes. of that. And so it is, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. 
it's tricky. Yeah. I, um, I actually went on a tangent before and forgot what I was actually going to say, but um, I was oh. going to say, oh yeah, I was, it's a bit early. <laughs> I, just <realized laughs> I, I just realized I haven't had a coffee yet. I should have done that. That was silly. Oh um, my goodness. It's all good. It's all good. I'm very much a, a high caffeine functioning person. Um, so um, my tangent before was that I, I think when I left the, my professional world of ballet, one of the things and the way that I describe it was literally like a breakup. It was, I was heartbroken and I think you feel the same way. So when I left, I was, and I've described this in a, in a Ted talk that I did that I, I felt heartbroken. I don't know how else to describe it. And the reason why I felt heartbroken, I think was because I broke up with something that I loved so much but it had broken me and there was mm -hmm. a huge part of me that still loved it, but I didn't know how to make it work for me because I loved it so much, but I just didn't fit in. And I'm guessing that you feel, felt, feel the same way. <laughs> oh, completely. That's, that's a great way of, of describing it. And I see a lot of you know, professionals, when they retire, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, mm. they love it so much, it broke them, but they also are terrified because they don't know what else to do because they have devoted so much time to it. As I'm sure you did too. It's like training, 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 that once you do step back, if you do step back, then you almost feel like for me, when I left City Ballet, I almost felt like a failure because it was yeah. like, did I waste my time doing this? I love it so much, but now I'm, I like fell off the face of the earth and I'm, I'm leaving this company. I feel like a failure um, because you and put your you, heart and soul into it. Yeah. And then you almost have to find value again in yourself with this completely foreign mm -hmm. identity, because I was always, as you would have been um, the dancer in your family, Catherine's mm -hmm. going to be a ballerina and, you know, and all of a sudden, if you don't have that, well, who are you? And I think that's what was different for me this time. Going mm. into Miami City Ballet, with all the stuff that I went through, I sort of realized that this time I didn't have, I, I was still valuable even if I wasn't, which is why it was so easy for me to leave. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this on my own terms now. And I feel like that's why I could speak up. Because over that nine-year gap between New York City Ballet and Miami City Ballet, I found my own value in me not just as a dancer. And that's what was different this time. Because I think had 21-year-old Katie Morgan been at Miami City Ballet, that would have broken her. And she wouldn't have spoken up and she wouldn't have, because she would have just felt like fa failure. This time was like, nope, I'm going to say something. I've built all of this. I see my value as a, as a person, not just as a dancer now. So that's so true. It's so true. You have to learn how to find value in other things other than ballet. Definitely. I, mm -hmm. um, it's actually World Ballet Day for you. It was for us yesterday. I know. <laughs> it is. But um, on this World Ballet Day, um, which I actually love, I love everyone coming together. I love that we all have a day. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what is your current relationship with ballet? Like, how do you feel towards it right now? It's funny because I've gone through ups and downs, you know, mm. with the leaving both companies, with dealing with my body it used to be ballet was a love-hate relationship now I realize it's something I'm meant to do and it's something I'm meant to do in my way 
Like I've never felt more assured of what I bring to the table of the talent that I have, my strengths, my weaknesses. Um, Cause I'm very open about my weaknesses. I'm like, yeah, Petita Allegro, not so much. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so for me, it's like, I've never felt more secure in my own career path, even through this whole thing, because I realized I was meant to go through this to be that beacon of hope for other dancers. So this is something that is part of my life. It's what I meant to do. It's what I meant to, to be doing because even with a nine year gap, I came back to it. So it's like, this is something that I'm just meant to be a part of, but in, in my own way. So. I, um, I feel the same way actually. Like I, it took me a really long time. Like even when I first opened my studio, I sort of used to, I had no plans of opening a studio, by the way, none at all. I did communications <laughs> at university. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm going to be a PR person. I'm going to wear a suit to work. <laughs> I love it. And then, um, and then a little bit like you, I was offered teaching roles and I was like, no, I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach. And then finally, you know, they're like, just come. And I was like, okay. So fell into teaching and, you know, really loved it. But even, even when I opened my studio eight years ago, I, I very much, we did, we did ballet and I obviously taught all the ballet classes here, but you know, I also sort of tried, I actually, it's hard to explain. I tried to love other things. Like I tried mm -hmm. to love, I tried to love jazz. I tried for a split hot second to love hip hop. No, <laughs> I tried, I, um, I, I tried to sort of venture and have a bit more of a, a, a well-rounded love of dance. And I just got to the point where I was like, why am I fighting this? And I think because again, I was so heartbroken by ballet that I never fully let it back in. And I would actually say I have only fully let ballet back in as, you know, a, a very front and center love of my life um, mm -hmm. in the last probably five years. Like that's quite strange considering I've had a studio for eight that's predominantly ballet but um but yeah I, it's a it's a funny one isn't it it's so it's so bizarre because again I think it's because it's not just a career you decide to do in college you know I mean I'm gonna major in da 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 this is something yeah. that we started way young and it's like all you knew for me it was all I knew for so long it was all I knew yep <laughs> and I think also as a dancer you are trained to and this is part of the problem you are trained that that artistic director and that ballet master what they think determines your life like they what they say goes you dance what you what they tell you with whom they tell you when they tell you and you you literally at least from my perspective you live and die by pleasing them because you yeah. know that they hold your career in their hands. And I think that's the other difference for me is now I realize I'm doing this for me. Like everything uh, moving forward in ballet is, is not to try and please a director or please anybody else. I just want to share. I just want to help. And I want to bring the joy back into it for me. Because I feel like, especially with a lot of professionals, the joy is taken out of ballet. Yeah, 100%. Just trying agree. to please. Yeah. 100% yeah. agree. I think also, thank goodness for things like, I mean, social media definitely has a lot of negatives. Um, and I and I definitely encourage all my, especially my younger students, like my my youngest teen sort of age group, I, I do try and set a very good example for them on social media, whether it's what I'm posting, whether it's what, um, what I'm sharing, the people that I follow, you know, I encourage them to follow, you know, really awesome people. 
not people that are going to make them feel bad about themselves, but thank God for things like YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, because they've also been allowed, they've allowed people like you and I to forge and be the architect of our own career path in a world that is typically quite stuffy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was saying this to somebody just the other day. I remember during my ballet school years, yes, while Instagram can be detrimental to all these kids, because it's like a constant every day comparing yourself. Yeah. I read the only ballet news we got was the point dance and dance spirit magazines. And like, yep. once the magazine came out, you knew what was happening and you didn't know it. Like I remember cutting out pictures of Jennifer Ringer and Wendy Whalen and posting them on my wall. Like I couldn't, you know, that oh, was the you, only photo. Did you cut out the pictures? Oh my gosh. My magazines, I, I wouldn't even dare to cut out. Well, the there pictures. was one, <laughs> there, was a, <laughs> there was a point magazine that came in the magazine with oh, like yeah, a fold yeah. out page of Jennifer yeah. Ringer. I remember that. I remember having her on my wall and one of Wendy too. And those, those are the ones I cut out. But because I used you know. to, I used to go to the news agents every morning, uh, every, uh, you know, morning of the month that Dance Australia would come out. And my dad actually um, made sure that because my, my news agents didn't, didn't stock it. So they had a special order for me. So I loved it because my magazine came with my name on it, like a little sticker at the top said, Georgia mm -hmm. and um and I used to pick it up and and I would be really upset if like a little corner was torn or like it was a bit screwed up from the mail and then dad and mm -hmm. I would sit and he'd have his paper and, and I'd pour through it but you're right that's all we had that's all we that's had that's it mm -hmm. that's it yeah because even to devour like the pages live streaming on the internet wasn't a thing no yep. and it was never on television unless it was like pbs with brizhnikov i mean it was like that it's, that's that was it oh so yeah it was like old yeah. school mm. yeah so all these kids while it can be they compare themselves constantly which is a problem and they're bombarded by it daily which is a problem at the same time they get to keep up with everybody on a daily basis and what bella boylston's doing what tyler peck's doing what you know some of the you know different international countries it's like it's they get to be more immersed than we did yeah I I think and I I've said this a few times now I wonder what it would have been like as a younger dancer if I had have been able to follow on Instagram you know Misty or Sarah Mans or people like yourself or you know people that had my body type I wonder mm -hmm. whether that would have made a huge difference or maybe, you know, it's, it, maybe it didn't, uh, maybe it wouldn't have, I don't know, but I do wonder about that sometimes. And I do think that that can be a really positive thing about, you know, social media. And that's why I've always tried to be as honest as possible mm. through YouTube, through Instagram and just sort of not sugarcoat and not, hide anything and say yeah it's hard this is hard this is what it's like this is what was said to me you know I didn't want to I really didn't want to be like under the radar I thought about it but I thought who who am I benefiting if I leave Miami City Valley under the radar and don't tell these kids what I went through and don't show them that this is what happens you know this is how they can get through their own struggles too because a lot of them are struggling in silence and so that's why I try and be as honest as possible on, on Instagram. If we lived in utopia, what, what would <laughs> you like to see done very differently at that, you know, at that pre-professional professional level? 
I, what I think, you know, is, is hard nowadays is I feel like ballet has such a negativity on it now. And these kids, it's sort of like how we felt. They, they love it, but at the same time, they're miserable. And I mm. don't want unhappy dancers. I think I said that in that video. I don't want anybody to be an unhappy dancer. The whole point of why we started dancing in the first place is because we love it. And sometimes we, we feel like we are at war or we are, you know, going through awful things just to do what we love. And I would love to see the more pre-professional students be more encouraged, be, be happier, be more excited. Because I think some teachers, while they, they come from a place of love, they almost discourage too early. Like, well, you're never going to have, you realize you're never going to have a career. And what that does is like, that's one person's opinion. You know, maybe there is some director somewhere that would take that dancer. Maybe there is some place they could be happy. And the problem is if you discourage too many students and you make too many unhappy students, that student is a future audience member. That student is a future donor. That student is a future mother who will put her child mm -hmm. into dance. And if too many people who have been traumatized by ballet decide, I don't want to put my kid in ballet. I don't want to go see a ballet. I don't want to support ballet. Ballet was horrible to me. You're alienating your audience, and this is how the art form dies. And Couldn't so, have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, you got to nurture that generation. So, what if they don't all become prima ballerinas? Very few people do. I was never a principal. <laughs> like, I was never a principal, I was a soloist. So, you can still have a wonderful career, even if it's not on the stage. Some might go to be in the art, in the administration side, some might go do costumes. You know, you can still have a, have a career where ballet is a love of yours instead of this hate thing. I have a friend who was so traumatized by ballet, she won't go see a ballet. She won't, and she studied it forever, thought she wanted to be a professional and is so traumatized by ballet, she wants nothing to do with it. And I just think that's backwards because she could be that audience member or a mother. And she's yeah. like, I'm never putting my kids in ballet. And I'm just like, that's so wrong. Yeah. So I would love to see it be a more positive, inclusive, nurturing thing than just, you know, killing all these kids dreams definitely um i i always try really hard to stomp on that stigma of you enroll your child in ballet because they're going to be a ballerina i mean it it, it blows my mind and it and it really just annoys me <laughs> yeah. when when somebody comes in and goes and we've got this beautiful glass window so the parents can actually see into the studio which is Quite rare. I've never had that back in my day. Um, they can see yeah, right? the studio, what, what their child is up to. Yeah, it used to be a closed door. Um, um, and they go, oh, she's not very good. Oh, I don't know. We might give ballet a miss next year. She's not very good at it. And and I think to myself, that is the worst comment. Like, And they go, oh, why, you know, I just, why should she continue it? It's not like she's going to be a ballerina. I mean, do I even need to go into detail about the amount of amazing personality traits and characteristics that ballet will bring out of a child, even if they have nothing to do with the ballet world when they, you know, when they finish their, their training as a child, I just, I make it a real important note amongst all my students, even adults that, that, you know, studying ballet will not only give you these amazing life skills, but it will also be perhaps a path that you didn't necessarily think that you might take like like you said administration so 
you know, you may study ballet right up until grade 12. And then um, a role opens up at a company for a communications and marketing manager. And whilst you don't want to make ballet your professional career, you can go still enjoy your love of ballet working for a company and being head of their marketing. You know, I, right. I tell my students, I actually use Josephine from the point shop a lot as mm -hmm. a um, example with my students, super successful, beautiful, kind, amazing, such driven, you know, entrepreneur. And, and she's created this amazing business and loves point work and ballet and shoes and, you know, and, and you don't have to be a professional dancer. I don't know why there's this stigma attached. I mean, nobody sends, I was just about to say such an Australian thing. Do you know what nippers is? Mm -mm. No. Okay. So <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a quick, <laughs> quick Australian lesson because I don't know why I couldn't come up with anything else. There's so many things I could have said, but I was about to say nippers. So like nippers is like the kids that go to the beach every Sunday, right? And, oh, okay. um, and, and they run into the surf and they, you know, tackle each other in the sand and basically learn to swim and not drown. And I don't know why, like nobody does nippers and goes, oh, my child's going to be like a professional um, iron woman or iron man, like, <laughs> like exactly. or a professional surfer. Like, no, oh, she's not very good at, at, at um, grabbing the little stick in the sand. Like, oh, we're going to give it a miss next year. Nobody says that. No, it's like sports at school. Like, yeah, they play sports just to do something active. Like, are you going to be an Olympian? Maybe not, but it's still probably not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's what I say to sort of looping this in. That's what I say about ballet. Ballet is not the Olympics. These those no. people work their whole life for, for one day every four years. I mm. can't imagine. I can't imagine if you're off that day, you're off four more years if that so like ballet is a it's why we're not in the olympics it's an art it's joy it's you know yeah you're so right you're so right and when i and, and i also i always i drill this home with especially my adult ballerinas who i tell them you call yourself a ballerina like i have women that come here five times a week like you are a ballerina like if my boyfriend can go surfing on the weekend and call himself a surfer and he surfs once a week and my dad plays golf once a month and's like, I'm a golfer. Why can't you be a ballerina? That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. It just frustrates me. It's like That's this, very good this snobby, snobby stigma attached to it. And it just frustrates the hell out of me. <laughs> and I think in this day and age too, if we're too, I know ballet wants to be this mysterious thing that's exclusive and you have to be a certain way. If you, if we keep on that track, the art form dies. Because oh, I think in this day and age, if you don't include people, if you don't reach out and try and, you know, we're not on national television, you know, like it's like, you know, the Olympics is on national international television. We're not. So we have to start opening it up and, and letting people in. Why do we have to be so stuffy? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. And in saying that though, too, like the argument of, of not being on TV, like, Pilates and yoga aren't really on TV, but True. that, but, but that is apparently much more acceptable as an adult to do. Yeah, that's very true. I don't yep. know why. And it just yep. frustrates me so much. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I thought you'd share in my frustration. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Right there with you. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. I think, um, do you teach adults or just children at the moment? 
No, I'm teaching. I'm actually right now because most um, students have gone back to normal school or, or ballet yeah. school. I have mostly online adults and I love yeah. them. I love them yeah. so much because they so want to learn. They are there. I have some that I teach every single day who show up are every the day to my, yeah. oh my gosh, it's amazing. They make my day and I've seen the improvement. And cause unlike a lot of children, the adults make their own choices. They want to be there. Mm. Nobody is making them show up online to a zoom class every single day in their living room. And it's, I love when I see the same people over and over. I'm like, wow, you love this. This is amazing. I love teaching adults. I really do. They, they do. I, I certainly love, um, also it's, it's such an enriching experience, I think, because they're all, you know, they're adults. They've lived a life. They are coming from so many different angles. There's adults that are coming from, I always wanted to dance, but we didn't have enough money growing up for me to take ballet lessons. So this is me, you know, fulfilling that dream. Or there are people that come through the door and go, oh yeah, I was, you know, I have one lady who was in the Paris Opera Ballet that comes to take my classes. Wow. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, she, and she was like, and she was like, I just love that I can come and take class and, and just chill out and, and just enjoy it um, again at, at a much older age. Um, I think she's about 70 something, but, um, but yeah, and it's, it's really interesting. And then in saying that though, sort of going, it's almost like a constant round back circle to this part of the industry that we're trying to sort of don't know if we'll ever fully eradicate it, but hopefully try and make it a little bit better. Um, the saddest thing I find with my adult classes is occasionally I'll have a very quiet, a very timid, uh, usually young twenties come in to take class, um, politely says hello. And you can tell she doesn't really want to talk and, she'll do class and then I come out to my foyer and I'm sitting out here and she's changing her shoes or whatever and you can tell that they want to share or they want to talk to you and and they're just a bit scared and I go and I just go how was class and oh that was so lovely to just finally take class and enjoy myself mm -hmm. and not feel pressure because we've built and as you would in your classes you build that community which I think a lot of people don't understand is very rare a ballet class of you know clapping and supporting and yes. and oh <laughs> yes. you know Josie finally got a double pirouette let's give her a clap like and you know they go off to coffee afterwards and stuff and so it's very like very welcoming and occasionally I'll get these young ones that have you know just come back from well, not recently because of COVID but <laughs> maybe come yeah. back from Germany or maybe come back from a pre-professional school or recently quit ballet and are now studying at uni and I've had them cry in my foyer break down in tears I'm literally hugging a stranger and they're spilling their life story about being treated so poorly and it just makes me so sad. It breaks my heart because yeah. I guess I was them. And, and I just think it doesn't have to be that way. And I think I see, I recognize the path that they're about to go on that I've most certainly been on. And I just think, oh, it's so long, you poor thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Like you will, yes. you'll get there and I still work. I mean, are you a bit similar? I feel like I'm still working on it every day sometimes. Oh, yes, especially. I mean, because I had gotten to a really good point, you know, like we were talking about the breakup 
for me, when yeah. I thought I was done, I was like, okay, I'm good yeah. with ballet. I can appreciate it again. Cause for a long time I couldn't watch. And then rejoining a company again, sort of sent me back to square one of trying to please and hating myself. And why do I look like this? And why can't I do it? And why don't I look like them? And da, 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 da. And then hearing all these things, it's sort of like, no, 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 I had, I had conquered this. <laughs> I had conquered these things. And so now, you know, it's, it took me a little while to get past that I think it's maybe one reason I, I took six months to do the video and I still have moments in the studio even now because we go in and I I'm allowed to use the Valley West Studios which is lovely here in Utah and um, I'll go in and work and sometimes I'll see myself on video and I'll go back to the old patterns of why can't you do this and you look terrible and why did you pick that leotard da, da, da. so it's, it's going to be a lifelong process of you know getting back to a good mental state about ballet. But now I think just speaking out about it took a huge weight off my shoulders. I think what, it's like those, those women in your foyer who just completed releasing it and talking about it is step one. Yeah. And I think for me, and now moving forward after doing that video, there is a huge weight off my shoulders. And just sort of, again, I, I almost felt too like I was letting people down that I had failed. You know, I wasn't able to stay in this company because it didn't work and my body freaked out and I was unhealthy and you feel like you've let people down. You feel like you've let yourself down, your friends down, your parents down. Um, and so it's just getting that place where you do it for you, regardless of whether or not you ever become a professional. And it's a hard place to get to. I, um, I wanted to ask you actually about, and, and it just reminded me, cause you said about letting people down a different kind of feeling of letting someone down. I wanted to know about your experience. Um, with stepping away from the ballet world with your mum. She seems so supportive in your life. And I just wanted to know how you felt. I know that telling my mum, I told her five minutes before she was about to jump on a plane that I wanted to quit ballet when I was six. <laughs> and she was like, Georgia, the timing. Oh my God. Like I'm about yeah. to jump on a flight. Like we've spent a week together you couldn't have brought it up anytime during then anyway and my yeah. mum sounds very similar to your mum in the way that they would just we wouldn't be where we are today without them so I just wanted Completely. to know a little bit about your relationship with your mum my mom and I, I mean I am adopted so I am an only child and so for me my mom and I we went through the different stages like we were mom and then we were the rebellious 16 year old who we got in you know, <laughs> bad bad fights and then you know, now we've gotten to the point where she is my best friend. And, you know, while I was in New York City Ballet, it was still, I was still young. And so she was still mom. And she, they were, my parents both were always very supportive. And they, they said to me at any point, if you want to quit, fine. We will support you no matter what you do. If you want to quit, fine. Once I got to that successful point though, I mean, my mom was there at almost every show that I did. She, I ended up living with her for the first few years I was at City Ballet. She sort of became the, the company mom like people would see her and be like, oh, Katie, your mom's here. <laughs> like, Cause she would sit in the third row with binoculars in the third, Cute. third row. I'm like, mom, you don't need those in the third row, but I want to see the costumes close up. So, you know, so the glare, you could see the, what is it with, you could see the binoculars. Yeah. What is it with mums and costumes? I swear <laughs> to God, we'll go, we'll go to a ballet now. And, and I'm like, just, you know, obviously watching their footwork and mom's like, 
did you see that tutu? It needs a little bit of a fix up. Like it was a bit tired looking. There were sequins falling off. I'm like, I did not notice the tutu, mom. Like, geez. and my mom too. Like, if I said, oh, you know, mom, the ballet I did, da, 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 she's like, tell me what the costume was, and I'll be like, you know, the blue, the thing. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Like she could identify yeah, yeah. ballets by the costumes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm like, remember when I did La Bayadere, mom? She's like, no. I'm like, um, okay, I had the two piece. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All good. Yeah. So continue. <laughs> Completely. Um, and she'd be very supportive. My mom was always very honest. Like she would always tell me how beautiful I am. Dad was like, you're beautiful no matter what. Mom would, you know, there was one part I was doing two different roles in Sleeping Beauty. One was Aurora and the other one was the Silver Fairy in Act 3. Da, 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 da. We called her Emerald. But I'll never forget, like my mom was the one that I knew I was wrong for the Silver Fairy. But after I did Aurora, she was like, yeah, you know, you know, Lauren King did silver tonight. She's so much better in that part than you. <laughs> like, thanks, mom. <laughs> like, Jeez, mom, like, thanks. Yeah, that's better. That suits her better. So she was always very honest, but she was very, in a, in a good way. Um, and you so I, I think it's important too. I think it's yeah. really important. And, and you know what I think it is? I think it's really important to, I mean, she was giving you a compliment sandwich too, but <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's really exactly. important it's really important to sometimes be taken down a peg, but I think it, mm -hmm. it really is only the role of those people that are closest to you because they know how to do it in a way that's not going to put you in any harm's way. And I think, yes, your mom sounds exactly like my mom. <laughs> and it's so important too, because she was never like, well, my daughter, da, 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 da. like I, if I was in the wrong, I was called out. Like it was, it was mm -hmm. not, how dare you talk to my child like that? She's like, okay, what'd you do? you know, even in parenting, yep. <laughs> it was, it was, she was a good mom like that. And then I think what happened was when I got sick at first, she and my father were, were a little bit like, okay, what are you eating? What's happening? But after two years at city ballet of being so ill, when I finally left, I think it was almost a relief for her. Cause she just wanted me to be happy. And then over time, all she's wanted me to be is happy. And then even getting back in Miami, she was getting back into ballet. She was ecstatic. But I think she was almost like, okay, make sure you're happy. Like, I think yeah. before she was worried that I was giving up my talent. And I think she was also the one that when I started YouTube, everybody was like, oh, that's great. She's like, seriously, what do you do? What, what is this? <laughs> she's like, she did not get it at all. And she'll even tell you that she's like, I did not. And now she's so proud of what I've built. Um, Mom did not like the amount of things that I have done. Oh. And mom's like. I don't get it. Like yeah. the the, <laughs> totally. the podcast, she was like, what do you, what do you mean? So it's going to make like no money and you just want to talk to people. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and there was exactly. one time I, I came to her over, we had breakfast and I sprung on her that I was going to go to Africa and bring over some ballet clothes and teach ballet. And she's like, um, is that a very good idea? I don't think so. <laughs> You can't just go to Africa, Georgia and, and teach ballet and bring them some ballet clothes. You just can't do that. And then now it's like the one thing she talks about more than anything and is so proud of. Exactly. <laughs> They're so funny. They're so exactly. Funny. And my mom has said to me, you know, she's like, I, you know, as wonderful as you were on stage, dad has said this too. She's like, yeah. the fact that you are this role model for so many young girls, that's what we're proud of. The, the way you have made lemon lemonade out of lemons every single time, the way you have always found a way through every single time, that's what we're most proud of. And even now she's like, just make sure you're happy. We support you no matter what you do. We're so proud of you. They're not, they were not the least bit like, why are you leaving a 
a ballet company. You finally got back in. They were like, yep, leave. You're not happy. Bye. You know, so, you know, especially since my marriage and the way I was treated and all of that, they are just, they, they want nothing but my happiness because they lived through that with me and it was not pretty. Um, you know, I've, I've never seen my dad like that. Like it was rough. So they just want me to be happy and, and fulfilled for me. And I think even when I was at city ballet, it was a little bit more like, you need to not waste this opportunity. Now they're just like, great. You want to get back at a company? Great. You want to go do your own thing? Great. You know, they don't, they don't care. So it's, it's been, I'm so grateful for them. They have a, they're lovely. So. Yeah. One of, one of the good things, one of the positives out of, you know, the kind of negatives that you've experienced is that you, you realize how fiercely um, protective your parents are oh. you and, and how <laughs> how unconditional the love is I mean I know with my body issues um you know in the past there was a period last year where I lost quite a bit of weight um and I was quite sick and I for obvious reasons I didn't put on my social media that I timed this really well Catherine I ended up in hospital for the the two weeks that the studio was on holidays. So oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I timed, wow. I timed my, my sickness really well. Um, it was just a, a kidney type of infection. And I, and I was in hospital mm. for a couple of days during holidays and I came back and I'd lost quite a bit of weight and people were like, ah, oh, what have you been doing during the holidays? You look so good. Mum was mm. like, she had, mum was like, she has been violently ill. <laughs> <laughs> do not comment on people's bodies. Like she was like, just like, nope, we're not going there. Like, you know, cause she could see before I could see that people telling me that I looked really good after being incredibly sick was not going to go down very well. And, um, and especially and for my mental you, health. If you found that in, when you were a student too, that's what mm. you were complimented on. I remember yes. like losing some weight, my uh, second or third year in the company and everybody would be like you have a new body where this happened yep. come from and, the, and you're just like wow that's you know at the time you're like yeah but if you think about it you're like that's actually the fact that they are complimenting you after you were ill you know what I mean it's just like oh 100 percent and and you know what's funny though in regards to that I actually don't think that it's just a I don't think that's actually just a ballet world thing too. I mm. know that a gym, a gym that I used to go to, the director of that gym, he he got I I'll never forget it. He um he was going through cancer, like he was going through chemotherapy and he was losing mm. a lot of weight. And one of the clients came up to him because we were having a chat and they said to him, Oh, I guess one good thing about all this chemo is that you're looking fantastic. <gasps> and I was like, Yikes, he's sick. Like he's sick and he was quite muscly and built beforehand and, you know, looking really healthy. And now he was looking very withdrawn. And somebody said, like, you look really great. And I was like gobsmacked, blown away. And mm. like, and like last year when I was really sick and came back to the studio and I did have actually, I did have a few adult clients that said to me, you're looking fantastic. And I just sort of shrugged it off and had to like go la 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 la, la and ignore it because that was going to spiral me into all sorts of unhealthy eating patterns as a, as a teenager that I used to have. And um, I've made it a rule. I don't know about you, but I, I've actually made it a rule. I don't comment on people's bodies, even if they've lost 25 Absolutely. kilos. I, I do not comment on anybody's bodies 
whatsoever. I don't say you're looking good. I don't say, definitely don't say you're looking bad. I don't, I don't say anything. I just do not say anything because like you said, at the very start of this conversation, you do not know what's going on in somebody's life. You are not privy to the behind the scenes and therefore you should not have an opinion and keep your hands and your mouth to yourself. <laughs> like that exactly. is my, I've become incredibly, um, and you're probably similar. I've become incredibly harsh on that stance, especially in the last two years. Like just don't do it. Don't comment. Whether it's the color of their skin, whether it's the size yeah. of their body, whether it's the color of their hair, whether it's, you know, like it's just not okay. Just leave them. Because while that, you know, that, that man going through chemo, for example, I'm sure he would have given anything oh. to not be going through that. Like he probably, I, I you know, He'd rather be way out of shape than go through chemo. Like, yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. It no, just I don't so rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. The only time I do, because I, I judge Youth America Grand Prix. And one yeah. of the boxes on the judging sheet is see nutritionist, meaning your body's not okay. I've only ever checked really? it twice. Yep. I've only really? checked it twice. And it's for two girls who I could literally count their vertebrae from the audience on stage oh, like wow. they were so thin like you know when the head is like three times the size of the body yeah that's Lollipop the head. only <laughs> where I was like this child is going to fall over if I don't so I, I all of us checked it I never check it for too big and unless I can really see them being sickly sickly ill I that's when I the only time I've checked it but I will never ever comment else you know so there's a so there's a box that says see a nutritionist. See a nutritionist, yes. Interesting. So yes. what how did that come about being on there? I don't know. I think it's it's in the, you know, there's three sections of Youth America Grand Prix. There's the technique and you check or X, you know, footwork, turnout, this and that. Then there's the artistry section, um, musicality, dynamics, port bra and then the last box is like costume choreography like if somebody has an inappropriate costume you could comment on the costume um if choreography doesn't fit that dancer or it's not age appropriate because I've seen like nine-year-olds do things that nine-year-olds yep. shouldn't be doing in the contemporary <laughs> round I'm like you're nine you you don't need to be doing I'm all alone and <laughs> you know what no. that's been um, that's <laughs> been a fantastic thing about COVID I have not had to go to any of Steadfords and seen young women young girls shaking their ass cheeks out on yeah. stage <laughs> it's you're not you don't need to be in a two-piece like yeah no um and then and then the other one is like overall impression you know if, if they have potential whatever but then one of the boxes is see nutritionist and it I have really never seen people just sort of steer clear of it you don't have to check every box okay. um people sort of steer clear of it and I just those those two girls I just couldn't not because I thought if I am, you know, we're the judges, so we're in the audience and they're probably 20 feet away. And if I can actually see your vertebrae in the back of your neck from 20 feet away, we have a problem. Like oh, it yeah. was bad. So that's the only time I've checked it. That's the only time I've checked it. So, yeah. And um, you should be proud that that's the only time that you checked it was when you're actually concerned that they probably need to start eating some food. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, like you though, I don't come, I really do. If in class, I never comment ever. Cause again, you don't know what that child is going through at all. Yeah. Or, or adult. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or adult. Yeah. Exactly. Or adult. Exactly. Yeah. Even more so. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
Well, I sort of wanted to round up with your hopes and dreams for the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, um, I loved what you had, your idea um, that you uh, detailed in your conversation on your YouTube video. Um, would you like to share it with everybody? It's a great yes. idea. And it's, it's at this point, it's more than an idea. I actually had a meeting two days ago. I've hired. Good. We're, we're already on it. Um, it's called, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's called Catherine Morgan and friends. And basically I think it's a great happen- name. Yeah, I kind of like it now that it's it's sitting it's sitting in my brain. Um, uh, yeah, but probably... I think you know why. Sorry, you know why I think no. you're a little bit uncomfortable with it is because it's like Catherine Morgan and friends, and you want it to be inclusive and like all about everyone on stage. But you have to remember that you have built, and it's you. You have built this incredible brand and this incredible following. And you need to be comfortable with the fact that you deserve that title. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I can see you squirming. You're like, oh my gosh, like, no, this is too much. But you have yeah. built that and you have to be really proud and really comfortable with that. I think it's a great name. It's catchy. Thank you. Thank you. I, I needed to hear that. Thank you. Mm. Um, but anyway, so it would be this group of, and it would vary other than me. I would obviously be there every time, but a group of six to eight professionals, each city, we would go to go to a city and partner with either a local ballet school, or we also are looking into um, colleges and university dance programs. Um, and that school would be a part of things. We would do master classes, we would do Q and A's with them. Um, and then in the performance that we would do, that school would take part. Probably not the whole school because that gets a bit tricky, but at yeah. least the top several levels. And my idea is that at this point would be to have a list of rep that the school would do. So, for example, Giselle Act Two, Beauty Prologue, you know, Coppelia Act Three, whatever it is, have a list of rep. They pick something from that. And the first part of the program is myself and a partner dancing whatever that rep is with that school. So that school would get a chance to do Swan Lake. They would get a chance to do Giselle or something and be a part of the evening. And then the second half of the program would be us, the professionals, doing various rep. Um, maybe maybe some more advanced students might do a more contemporary piece within the second half. I think Chris, my boyfriend, would love to go and set because he's a brilliant choreographer, go and set things and maybe they would do a smaller piece in the second half. But they would be part of the evening with us instead of it being a gala evening of us waltzing into town, doing our thing and leaving. Um, because I remember as a child, us doing that several years with New York City Ballet and ABT. And they brought us a, a select group of dancers down. One year, ABT came and did the whole Sleeping Beauty with us. And they were all the fairies in the divertissements. And we were like around them. And then another year, City Ballet came down and we did Fourth Act Swan Lake with them. And then they did the rest of the evening. And I just remember, I, I have no idea what their show actually looked like. I don't remember them dancing. But I remember being backstage with them, seeing them come out of their dressing room, taking warm-up class with them, talking to them. And it was like the highlight of my life. Like Jennifer Ringer was one of them. And when Jennifer Ringer came down and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Jennifer Ringer and I'm taking class with her. <laughs> oh, and she didn't do a well, good pirouette to the left. That makes me feel better. You know, I mean, just being around them was the highlight. I, I truly don't remember what she danced that night. I, I don't remember. But being able to be on stage with her was like, oh my gosh. So that's the idea is that we would go in and it would be either the university students or a a ballet school and they would present it. 
Um, we would do master classes. I would teach, Chris would teach, the other dancers would teach. And then we do the gala show and then maybe have on that Sunday, like an open class for anybody who'd want to take with me. So, you know, doesn't have to be a part of that school. So that's sort of the idea. And I would love, shoot for the stars. I would love to Go have it be like a 25 city tour every year. Cause why not, you know? And then I would be able to go, you know, from our standpoint as the professionals, we would be able to perform in a way where there's not a director standing there, you know, and we would get back to performing for us and the joy. Cause some of my best shows were not at City Bell. <laughs> it was going to guest and going to be with these kids who, if you did a Sutanu, they're like, <gasps> you know, didn't matter. Yeah. So getting back to the joy, but then also inspiring the next generation, which is, is what I try to do through my YouTube channel. So making them a part of it instead of just it being about us. So that's the idea. I think that it's a wonderful idea. Um, <laughs> and I am, I, I am cheering you on. And I, I really do think that it will be a huge success. I just have oh. a really good vibe about it I literally have a couple of tingles like I just it's just oh. feels very very holistic and very um nurturing and very you, you're right as a young dancer being in a room whenever you had some professionals that come in it's just like oh my god this is amazing and it just was the highlight of your year like nothing yeah. else did. and if you can give that opportunity to 25 at least oh, yeah I mean <laughs> goes around the country like I mean I mean I think that's incredible and um it's a really amazing way to sort of give back as well yes so. which is is huge and that's what both Chris and I are very passionate about he's very passionate about and he's everybody's like oh he should dance he's done he's like I'm not dancing I'm retired <laughs> he's like I'll go and choreograph I'll go and teach but I'm not dead. I'm like, fine, that's fine. So, you know, but he loves, he lives and dies for, for in, in nurturing those kids. So it's, it's lovely. So he would be a part yeah. of it too. I keep, I keep, you know, I keep saying, what is the answer to all the negativity in the ballet world? And I think maybe it's just people like ourselves having these conversations and just trying to do our part in our corners of the world of yeah. just spreading spreading some fairy dust and some positivity and hopefully that prevails. So yeah. yeah. Well, my final question for all my guests is what's your number one tip for leading a balanced life being the balanced ballerinas podcast. <laughs> um, well, this is something I said in the video and I want to say it again. A friend once said to me, you have to remember you are not a human dancing. You are a human being. And so Dance is, it can be your passion, it can be your love, it can be your career, but it does not define you. Roles do not define you. How you do your pirouette does not define you. You are a person yeah. first. And I think that goes back to, to finding your value outside the studio, so. Definitely. Yeah. I, I have a big thing here about our students and I, and I always say, I remind at our end of year concerts and I remind in the studio all the time that, you know, I don't care how good of a dancer you are. I care how kind you are as a human being. And that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Couldn't care less about your dancing, really. You yeah. just have to be a nice person. And that's what I like to churn out. We churn out good dancers, but we also churn out even better human beings. So yes, that's, that's yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really glad that we had this conversation because we, we have some very similar 
thought patterns and sort of hopes and dreams for the future. So yeah, hopefully we get to meet in real life one day. That would be lovely. <laughs> that would be lovely. Who, who knows with the way the world's going? But um, yeah. you'll have to come. You'll have to come with Catherine Morgan and friends to Australia. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's like way shoot for the moon stars, like and stars too. Like I know because we're so tour. far away. <laughs> <laughs> international tour. Yeah, we'll see. I'd love that. Have you been to Australia before? I have not. I have not pretty special it's pretty that's special that's what I hear yeah that's what it's I hear. pretty good uh I can I could definitely sort you out with some master classes and give you quite the adult following to come along <laughs> oh that'd be great I'd love it I'd love it yeah. yeah well um thank you so much this has been an absolute oh, pleasure thank you. thank you I've I've loved every second of it